The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Good morning, or I guess good afternoon, third service. Good to see you. How are you doing this morning? Good to see you. Hey, uh, just a reminder, we got a lot of stuff going on in the church as we move into the fall and kind of end our summer. So make sure you look at your new song notes. One thing to bring to your attention is withholding nothing this Wednesday night. Ladies, do everything you can to be here. I'm telling you, it's going to be a really, really neat night. Uh, I know Sarah and her team have a great night lined up, and I think it's going to be probably a little different than anything you've ever experienced here before at New Song Church. And I mean that in a really good way. Uh, they're, they're leaving a lot of room for, for God to really move and for people to receive some words that night and stuff like that. I promise you won't be weird. It'll be very much in order, but it's going to be really cool. So make sure you get your sitters lined up, uh, babysitters lined up. Make sure dads, you're ready to cover for them and uh, let's encourage them to be here and do everything we can. And ladies, I want to encourage you to, to bring somebody with you. Find a friend, invite somebody this week, invite somebody at work, whatever. Get them here with you because I believe it's going to be really, really, really good. All right. If you have your Bible, open it up to Romans chapter 12. And we are concluding our series that we've been in over the past uh, four weeks now, this is the fourth week, called Lost Art. And we've been looking at things that are becoming a lost art in the world that we live in today that we believe we should be operating in. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed this series. I hope that God's been ministering to you through this series as much as he's ministered to me. In fact, uh, Josh Romano's back there in the back. He spoke last week on integrity. And I just want to honor him because that's the last thing I preached on here. And just say, man, you did a great job. Thank you. Let's give him a hand. If you, yes. You know, one of the things I love about this church and I'm, I'm so grateful for is God has given us some incredible communicators that, that, you know, if I need a week off or God's called me to, to do something else for a week, I've got people like Josh and Sarah and Jackson and Haley and David Terry and all these people that can step in and they're just full of the word of God. And I, I'm, I'm just so grateful for that. But Romano, great job last week. He spoke on integrity. If you missed that, make sure you go back and listen to that message. And uh, any of the other messages from this series, you can check out on our podcast or on our YouTube page. You can check those out as well. And so today, as we conclude this series, I'm going to talk to you about uh, a lost art that probably very few of you have had any experience or teaching when it comes to this issue. And yet it is a very big issue in the world we live in today. And so today I want to talk to you about resolving conflict. And I want to talk to you about healthy biblical confrontation. I've been looking forward to this message for weeks and I really believe today that God wants to show you some stuff. I've got seven uh, points that I'm going to give you today that are going to help you to walk in, in healthy biblical confrontation and resolve conflict. And I believe God has called us to do this. You know, conflict is a big issue in the world we live in today. If you really start to think about the world we live in and what's going on around us, conflict is all around us. Like if you're a person in here today and you would say, man, I'm just not dealing with any conflict. Well, pin a rose on your nose, right? Because like... <laughs> That is not normal. Like we all have conflict. 
And it arises in just about every area of our life and in just about, no matter you're young or old, if, you, if you're older, you're dealing with conflict in the workplace from time to time. I see some students in here today. You're probably dealing with conflict in school. You're dealing with conflict with teachers. We deal with conflict. We deal with conflict in our marriages. How many of you know that to be true? Don't say amen. Just keep looking ahead, right? We deal with conflict in our marriages. We deal with conflict with our kids. As our kids are growing up, you know, in different times, we're going to have conflict with them. We're going to have to help them navigate conflict. Beyond just kind of our personal life, we live in a country that's full of conflict. There's racial conflict. There's, uh, there's conflict between political parties. There's conflict between our country and other countries. Conflict is all around us. And, and here's the problem. A lot of times when it comes to this conflict stuff, our approach to what we're really going for when it comes to conflict is completely off. We think the goal in conflict is winning. And so we approach conflict and we approach confrontation with this goal of, I want to win. And let me just tell you, the problem with that is when you win, someone else loses. And when, and when that's the approach you have and someone else is losing, listen, that's just going to create more unrest, more conflict, more problems. So winning is not the goal. The goal is restoration. And I'll show you this today. And I, cause I believe at the heart of the gospel message is this issue of dealing with conflict and healthy confrontation. So let me just encourage you take really good notes today. Like I know you always do, cause that's just who you are, right? But take really good notes today because maybe you're here today and you're not dealing with a whole lot of conflict, but I promise you at some point you will. And when you do, you're going to want to remember this message. You're going to remember what I'm talking about today. So take really good notes today. Earmark this message. I'd encourage you to, to, to this week, go back, listen to this message again on the podcast, watch the video of it, share it with other people, because I believe this is a very, uh, a very relevant subject for us to deal with. All right, Romans chapter 12. Let's look at this together. If you have your Bible, you can follow along. If not, you can look up here on the screen. Verse 18 says this, as much as possible, as far as it depends on you, live in peace with, say this last word with me, everyone. Let's try that again. Live in peace with everyone. Okay, so the call of God for us is to live in peace with everyone, right? But, but notice that there's kind of two caveats in this verse. They are as much as possible, as far as it depends on you. And here's the reason why God puts that in there, because sometimes it's not possible. Because sometimes there are people in your life, people you're going to deal with, and they're not going to be open to resolving this conflict and walking in peace. They're, they're going to fight against that. And no matter how hard you try, no matter how much work and effort you put into it, they are going to choose not to walk in peace. They're, not going, to, they're going to choose to not want to change, to not want to deal with it, and so that's why God says, as much as possible, as far as it depends on you. See, here's what you got to understand. God values effort. God values your effort. God's not just after necessarily the results of creating that peace. For, he, he's, he's after you putting forth the best effort you can to try to create that. And sometimes it won't create that perfect peace, but the effort that you create will allow you to walk in perfect peace. So... So let me say this as I kind of move into this, because I know there's some of you in here and right now you're thinking about a situation, you're thinking about a person, you're thinking about some conflict that you've experienced in your life and you're kind of having a hard time processing this because maybe there was someone in your life at some point and they were 
an evil, wicked person. And they did terrible things. And they have made no effort whatsoever, even though maybe you've tried, they've made no effort whatsoever to try to bring uh, resolution to that issue, to try to fix that, to try to deal with it. And, And so here's what I want you to see this morning. For that group of you that are in that place, understand when God says he wants you to walk in peace, he's not just talking about this idea of peace necessarily. He is talking about that, but he's also talking about the peace he wants you to experience And so for some of you, in order for you to experience that kind of peace, there are certain people because they're not willing to change, they're not willing to deal with the issue, they're not willing to apologize or do any of that. In order for you to walk in the peace that God has for you, you have to be willing to walk away from that relationship and saying, you have disqualified yourself from connection in my life. You've disqualified yourself from being in my life. You've disqualified yourself from being a part of my family, being around my children. You've done things. I can't trust you. And so I'm not gonna be out of peace just to let you into my life when you are dangerous. You guys tracking with me? God has called us to forgive, all right? And we are to forgive immediately, even though sometimes that's hard. But understand, God hasn't called you to forget what some people have done and trust them immediately. This is a good way to remember this. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Think about the word forgive. In that word is the word give. We give the forgive, That's something that we choose, empowered by God, to give away to other people. But the word forget, notice the word is get in there, right? You get the ability to forget what that person has done, and you get it from them by a track record of trustworthiness. This is good preaching. I should be getting better amens than this. Thank you, Judy. She's back. (laughs) But what, what I want you to see today is some of you have wrestled with this wrestled with peace because you've had people in your life and they have been, they have been evil towards you and they haven't apologized and they've made no effort. And you've tried to kind of walk this walk on eggshells and deal with that. And you, you're trying to, and, and, and you, and you don't have peace about it. And I believe God is saying to some of you, Hey, it's okay to release that, release that into my hands. You've forgiven them and you're forgetting what that you're, you're choosing by the, by the spirit of God to, to let God heal you and help you to forget and move past that and disconnecting from them is okay. Can I get an amen? amen. Okay, so that's a few of you, but for most situations, uh, God has called us to be agents of reconciliation and he's called us to be people who are working towards restoration. God says as much as possible, as far as it depends on you, walk in peace. Why does God value this so much? Well, here's why. Because when you're not walking in this, in, in an effort towards resolving conflict, it, it does damage to you. When you're not dealing with conflict in your life, recognize, number one, it blocks uh, my fellowship with God. You, you cannot uh, be in harmony with God if you're out of harmony with other people in your life. You just can't. Let me, let me show you this. First Peter three, verse seven says this, husbands in the same way, treat your wives with consideration as a delicate vessel. Look at this next part. And with honor as fellow heirs of the gracious gift of life. So this is, this is speaking to the relationship of a husband and wife, but it's also speaking to just the relationships of our life because we're all called to honor other people, right? If you missed that, that was two weeks ago. You can go back and listen to that message and to walk with people in, in, a, in a way of love. Now look at what it says next. So that your prayers will not be hindered. Did you catch that? So God says, if you're out of sorts with other people, you're gonna be out of sorts with me. And your prayers are gonna be hindered by that. Now understand, prayer is one of the ways you communicate with God. 
Through prayer, you talk to God and he talks to you. And I hope you know that today. God talks still. He talks in agreement and alignment with the will of, of God, which is the word of God. But he wants to speak specific things to you. And when you pray, prayer is communion. It's us talking to God. It's God talking to us. But if you're out of sorts, out of harmony with other people, it's gonna block some of God's ability to speak into your life. So this is a big deal. For that reason alone, we need to be working towards fixing some of the conflict we have with other people. It, it, it blocks my, my fellowship with God. Number two, it hinders my happiness. Notice where we started with this, walk in peace. When you're in conflict with people, you don't have peace. And when you don't have peace, you're not happy, right? Right? So, so we gotta get this right. So I wanna give you seven things today that will help you to be uh, an agent of reconciliation, to be a person who's working towards restoring relationships. Seven things, here's number one. I have to be the initiator. I have to choose to be the initiator. I have to, I take the initiative. God says, when at all possible, as far as it depends on you. Notice he doesn't say as far as it depends on them, as far as it depends on you. Turn the person beside you and say, he's talking to you. Sometimes, in order for us to deal with some of this conflict, we have to be willing to deal with it. We can't just pretend it didn't happen. We can't just pretend that that, that situation doesn't exist. We can't just pretend that that rub we have, that, that you know, situation, that uncomfortableness we have with our mother-in-law doesn't exist, right? It exists. And, and if we don't deal with it, we can't heal from it. We can't grow from it. We can't do anything with it if we don't deal with it. We have to deal with it. You know, there's a, there's a saying, you've probably heard this before. People will say, time heals all wounds or, you know, just give it some time and you'll, you'll be better. Listen, time don't heal squat. <laughs> Amen. Like if, just think about it. If I had a injury on my leg, I have a gaping wound on my leg and I just go, well, I'll just give it some time. I could die. Because that injury can get infected. I can get gangrene, which could cause me to lose my limb, which could spread and could cause me to lose my life. Anybody seen Lonesome Dove? There you go. If you haven't, okay. But it, it, it can affect you. If time heals all wounds, just next time you feel sick, just go hang out in the waiting room of a doctor's office and never go see the doctor. Don't work, does it? Time doesn't heal anything. And sometimes we, we don't deal with situations and it leads to bitterness and resentment. You probably, you probably know that like old grandpa that is like the get off my lawn grandpa because something happened 50 years ago that he's never dealt with and now he takes it out on eight-year-olds who hit baseballs into his yard. People go to counseling for years because they didn't deal with confrontation and conflict from their life. R marriages fall apart because people won't deal and confront and they let it get to a point where they can't be recovered from or they, at least they won't choose to recover from it and it becomes a mess and it blows up. If you're counting on, on just time to heal it, you're counting on the wrong thing. And so because of that, we have to be the initiator as, as, as far as it depends on me, as much as possible, I'm gonna walk on peace and that may mean I need to own this. Now, I get it, like, we don't necessarily like that. Like no one loves confrontation. There are some people that are more prone to be able to deal with it a little bit better than others, but no one really likes it. And if you do, you're kind of a psycho, right? Like no, one, no one like, yeah, I love confronting people. Like that's not normal, okay? But you know, 
And, and actually, if you look at the Bible and you look at the beginning, we can see that this, it's not normal to like that. In the fallen world that we live in, with the fallen nature of sin, when, when conflict arises, we don't like it. If you go back to Genesis chapter three and you look at Adam and Eve, they're in the Garden of Eden and, and, and God's placed them in this perfect place, perfect everything. There's this one tree that he says, don't eat of that tree, but everything else is yours. I've given you this incredible place. I, I have to give you this option because I have to give you a choice because I want you to choose to love me. But, but don't do it. I'll tell you what to do. Don't do that. Choose this. And what do they do? They eat of that tree. And when they do, they disobey God and that's called sin. And, and the Bible tells us that when we sin, we, we're at enmity with God. In other words, we become an enemy of God. So in other words, we're at conflict with God. So now because they've eaten of this tree, they're in conflict with God. And that also produces conflict in this world. It all, all this conflict we're dealing with, it all boils down to the fall of man. Conflict with God, conflict with each other, it all comes from this moment. So what, so what do they do? Well, they begin to have this situation. And, and what I love is the, the response of God. What does God do? He, he takes it head on. He shows up and he begins to go right after it. And he comes to Adam and Adam begins to deal with Adam in this situation. And, and, and this, it's, it's interesting as you read it. Understand it's God talking to Adam. He knows everything. He's God, right? But the way he talks to Adam here, it's like he's trying to get Adam to realize and come to terms with what he's done. It's kind of like, you know, when you have a kid and you know what, you know, they've got cookie all over your face and you're talking to them going, did you eat the cookie? No. Okay, did you eat the cookie? That's this kind of this conversation here. And so, and so God comes to Adam and he's like, hey, what's going on? Look at Adam's response because Adam's response in the midst of this conflict is the same response a lot of us have in the fallen nature of this world. Genesis 3, verse 10, Adam says this to God, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and so I hid. God says, who told you you were naked? God knows who told him that, why he realizes that. Verse 12, Adam says, he says, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. So we see two things in, in Adam as he's confronted with this conflict that I think are really at the heart of a lot of what we do when it comes to conflict. Number one is Adam gets distant and we do the same thing, we get distant. Adam says, I, I was naked. In other words, he's saying, he's saying, I felt exposed. There was a part of my life that was now on display that I didn't want on display and because I feel exposed, what does he do? He hides. He puts distance between him and the one who created him, loved him, gave him everything. And I, I see this all the time. Conflict arises, confrontation comes, and, and people, they wanna distance themselves. I'll just, I'll just end that relationship. I'll just distance myself from that person. I, I, I've got this person in my family and we're, we're kind of not really going, you know, it's, things aren't going well. So I'll just kind of move away from them, spend less time with them, talk to them less. And I'll just kind of pretend this never happened. I'll just, we create this distance and this distance, listen, it, it kills us. It does damage to us. It hurts us. We're distancing ourselves sometimes from the very things God's created that are, that are there to help us. God is wanting to help his child here. And Adam is distancing himself from that. 
And I see this all the time. You know, I'll get up and I'll preach a message and I'll talk about some things in the word of God. And sometimes you hear it and it rubs you the wrong way a little bit, right? Because, you know, sometimes the truth can hurt a little bit and you realize there's some changes that need to take place and you need to quit living with your girlfriend and that's not, you've been doing that, so that's hard to do. So rather than listen to that, I'll just go to another church and we distance ourselves. And what we're doing, we're actually just hurting ourselves. We distance ourselves. The second thing we see is, is Adam gets defensive. Notice what he says. He says, uh, he says this, the woman you put here with me. It's, it's, it, well, here's what he's saying. It's the woman's fault, but really what he's saying is, is God, it's your fault. You did this. You put this, this broad in, in, in the garden and she made me do this. It's kind of what he's saying there. <laughs> and this is what we do. We, we get defensive and we go on the attack we feel exposed and so we, we distance ourselves, and then we find another group of people and we begin to kind of plead our case and say, let's attack this person because they did this to me. That's the fallen nature of man at, on display in us when it comes to conflict. But what does God do? What do we see in God? He hits it head on. He comes after them. He doesn't wait for them to come to him. He comes to them. Why? Because he loves them. And see, this is what you have to understand about confrontation and conflict. We think sometimes, well, if I confront them, that's kind of mean. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to do that. But, But listen, confrontation is not for the sake of confrontation. The point of confrontation is restoration. That's why God goes after them. He wants to restore them. He loves them. He wants to help them. He wants to begin a process of restoring them back to relationship with him. So he goes after them. And listen, we have to have that same kind of heart. We're called as children of God to, to model our life after the, the, what we see in Jesus Christ and what we see in God. And that means that we're going to be the initiator that we're gonna love God enough and we're gonna love people enough to say, you know what, there's something not right here and I wanna confront it and deal with it because I don't want anything keeping me from my relationship with God and I don't want anything to stop us from this relationship. I value you enough that I wanna restore this. I wanna reconcile this. And I get that you're hearing this today and you may be going, yeah, that's all good and well, but I'm still terrified. Like, I don't want to have these conversations. I don't want to talk to my mother-in-law. I don't want to talk to that, that guy in the workplace. I don't want to deal with that. Well, here's the beautiful thing about God. God never asks you to do anything that he doesn't empower you to do. And so God has given us an agent of reconciliation that we can walk with that will help us with this called the Holy Spirit. Look at this, 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Some of you need to hear this this morning. Fear is a spirit. It's not just some thing that you just get. It's something that, uh, it's an evil spirit from the enemy that he tries to put on you to hurt you and keep you from the fullness of life in Jesus Christ. He says, God hasn't given us that spirit. If you're dealing with fear, God didn't give that to you. But what does God give you? He gives you a spirit. This is the Holy Spirit, a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Other translations say a sound mind. That's the spirit God wants to give you. Power. Love, sound mind, all of those things you need if you're gonna deal with conflict and confrontation. And I love the middle one there, love. Because the Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 18, perfect love casts out fear. So maybe you're here today and you're going, I don't wanna deal with this. I don't, this is scary to me. Well, what you need is perfect love. You need the spirit of God, which by the way, God is love. 
to fill you up so that you're in filled with, with that love because that love will give you the power to do what you need to do. You've probably heard those stories before of like, you know, the mom who runs into a burning house to save her child. And it's like this image of courage. Like she was willing to risk her life to run into that building. Why? Because of love. She was motivated by love and her love was so great. It helped her to overcome fear. And what you need to understand is if your love is greater than your fear, you'll do things that others are afraid to do. If you're filled up with the Holy Spirit and the love of God is inside of you, you'll be willing to confront some people sometimes because, you, because God will give you the courage through that love to do what needs to be done to reconcile these relationships. So what do you do? You go to the God and you say, Lord, I need, I need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help me. I need power. I'm, I, and you can be, listen, you can be real with God on this stuff, okay? You can talk to God in an honest way because he already knows anyways. So you can go to the Lord and you can say, Lord, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm, a, I'm terrified. I'm nervous about this. I'm scared. I don't want to do this, but I see in your word that it needs to be done. And I don't want anything keeping me from my relationship with you. And I, don't, I, and I want to, as much as possible, as far as it depends on me, do what you're telling me to do. So, so Holy Spirit, I'm calling on you. I'm asking you. I'm leaning into you and relying on you to fill me up with the love I need to be the initiator, with the power I need to take the steps necessary, with the sound mind I need to have these tough conversations. And I ask you to do this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen? You gotta be the initiator. That's the first thing. Here's number two. And I know that I spent a lot of time on this. We'll move a lot quicker in case you're going, man, this is gonna be a four-hour message. It's not, okay? Here's number two. You gotta own your role in the conflict. Own your role in the conflict. Very rarely, if you're dealing with conflict, is it just 100% them and 0% you. Now they may have more, a greater percentage of the blame. It may be that they're 99.9% .9 wrong and you're 0.1% wrong, but what's your 0.1%? You need to recognize that and you need to be willing to own that. Jesus talked about this idea. It's really humility is what it is. In, in Matthew chapter seven, he's talking, he says, he's talking about how you have this like speck you're seeing the speck in their eye, but you, you have a plank in your eye. And if you actually study that out, he's talking about like they have a microscopic speck in their eye and you have a telephone pole in your eye. <laughs> and you're looking at them going, you need to deal with your speck. <laughs> like we, there's, there's gotta be a point where we're willing to go, you know what? Maybe this fallen man person in this broken world who's not perfect, anybody willing to lift up their hand this morning and say, I'm not perfect, those of you who have your hands down, good luck with that. <laughs> we ain't perfect. Is there a chance that maybe I didn't do things right? Maybe I said the wrong thing at some point. Maybe I came across the wrong way at some point. Like we've gotta be willing to go there. I'm telling you, if you go into conflict and confrontation and, it's, and your position is just you're wrong and I'm right and I'm gonna win and you're gonna lose, you're gonna lose. You may think you won, but you lost. So you gotta be willing to say, what's my part in this? Here's some questions for you. Ask yourself these questions. Am I being unrealistic? Am I being ungrateful in this relationship? Have I, have I got too familiar with this relationship? Boy, that's a big one. Have I, do I not see you like I used to at some point? Am I being insensitive? 
to maybe what you may be dealing with, maybe what's going on in your life, maybe the, the stage of life that that person finds himself in. Am I being oversensitive? Am I being a diaper baby about this whole thing? Am I being too demanding? Am I asking stuff that, that's really not reasonable? Am I, am I, is my expectation different than theirs? I, I found this before. Sometimes in relationships, you'll have a certain expectation for what that relationship is, and the other person doesn't, un, doesn't have that same expectation. <laughs> and that can cause some serious conflict on one side when the other person's going, wait, what? We're best friends? I didn't know that. Like, we gotta, we gotta like own that maybe, maybe, we don't quite see it all perfectly. And maybe we've said some things, we've done some things that we're, we're at fault a little bit in this. First Peter 5, uh, 5 and 6 says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That's talking about God's way of doing things, that he may exalt you in due time. So if we're, we're called to do things God's way, as much as possible, as far as it depends on me, I'm gonna walk in peace. And, and, part, and as far as it depends on me means that maybe I need to recognize that I'm not perfect. And maybe I did some stuff wrong and I'm, I'm gonna be willing to listen to hear that. And that kind of leads us to the next point, which is you gotta listen for the hurt. Listen for the hurt. As you're confronting someone, as you're dealing with conflict, listen for the hurt. Hurt people, hurt people. And if you're dealing with someone that has hurt you, is hurting you, I'm just telling you, they're hurt. And they may be hurt by you, and you didn't even know it. They may be hurt by somebody else. They may have grown up in a home full of hurt, and they've just never dealt with it. So you have to be willing to listen for the hurt. James 1.19 talks about how to do this. It says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. It says, be quick to listen. You know, listening is becoming a lost art in the world we live in. Everybody wants to talk. Not many people want to listen. I find it interesting that God gave us one mouth and two ears. I think God was making a statement with that. We should listen twice as much as we talk. But what do people want to do? They don't want to talk. They want to run their mouth. And when you're talking, a lot of times you ain't listening. We need to be quick to listen. And as we're listening, we listen for the hurt and so once again, we invite the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit, let, let me see beyond their words. Give me an understanding. Give me a spirit of understanding and revelation so I can see. I, I've been talking with people before and, and dealing with conflict before and somebody's talking to me about stuff and I can, as they're talking to me, the Holy Spirit's talking to me and I can hear because I'm listening. I can hear what God's saying, and he can show me things about what they're saying that help me see what's going on in their heart so I can address that and help them. So God wants to be agents of reconciliation, right? We gotta be listeners if we're gonna do that. Uh, Romans 15 verse two says, we must cons be considerate about the doubts and fears of others. So we gotta be considerate. What's going on with them? That, that kind of leads me to my fourth point, which is consider their viewpoint. Consider their viewpoint. Um, if you're a part of New Song Church on one of our leadership teams or you're part of our staff, my team all knows like this is a question that I lead with a lot. I have a question that is based on a heart, a heart position that I've chosen to live by. And here's the question I'll ask my team. Help me understand. Help me understand. This is a great question when you're dealing with conflict. Help me understand. Help me understand why you said that. 
Help me understand why you did that. Help me understand. And, and here's, what, here's what this statement, this question, really what it shows. It's, it's a heart position that says, I want to understand before I try to be understood. That's really good. See, we need to be people who seek to understand before I seek to be understood. That's biblical. Isaiah, Isaiah, or Hosea 4 verse 6 says this, people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Relationships are destroyed because we have a lack of understanding of what may be going on with somebody else. Proverbs 28 verse 16 says, a ruler who lacks understanding is a great oppressor. As a leader in the church, I don't want to be a great oppressor, so I need to seek to understand. I need to be listening and, and, and trying to hear people's heart and I need to be seeking to understand what may be going on. Maybe I need to seek to understand what, what their background is, where, where they're at in this stage of life, what may be going on with their home, what may be going on with their relationships. I wanna seek to understand. And that question is based on this position in my heart and here's what it is. And we, as a church, this is a position we all live from. This is what we build our teams on. We believe the best about people. I believe the best. I'm gonna believe the best. And when I enter into these conversations, I wanna, I wanna, I'm gonna believe the best. I'm gonna believe that you didn't mean it that way. I'm gonna believe that when you did that, you weren't trying to be rebellious. That when you gossiped, you weren't trying to be a wolf in the, in the sheep pen here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe the best, listen, until you give me a reason not to. And, and listen, sometimes people do. They give you a reason to not believe the best about them. Okay, you did mean bad stuff. You did have ill intent. I've, I've come across that. But I'm gonna believe the best. And since I believe the best, help me understand. Help me understand why you did this, why you're saying that, why you're doing this. And, and once again, and you're gonna see this over and over again, the Holy Spirit's our helper and he wants to help you with this. I want, he, he gives me a spirit of wisdom and understanding. That's who the Holy Spirit is. So help me understand I want to hear from them and I want to hear from him. And, and, and many times, as I'm, as I'm saying, I'm listening to people to hear what they have to say. And as I'm listening, God shows me what's, what's going on, what's going on in their heart, what's going on with them. Uh, Philippians 2 says this. It says, each of you should look not only for your own interests, but also the interests of others. That word look there uh, comes from the Greek word skopos, which is a, a root word in the words microscope and telescope. Think about what those things are. They are things that allow us to zoom in, to focus in and see things in greater detail. God's saying, that's, that's how you need to approach this stuff. Okay, I wanna seek to understand. I wanna dig in here with you a little bit. I wanna see it from your perspective. I wanna understand what's going on with you. I wanna get a revelation of what's happening in you so that I can, I can help you move forward. I can help us move forward. I can get this connection right the way it's supposed to be. We gotta consider their viewpoint. Here's, here's point number five. Tell the truth tactfully. Tell the truth tactfully. The Bible says, says this in Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love. It doesn't say just speak the truth, does it? There's no period after truth, is there? Speak the truth in love. It's important that we speak the truth. Listen, the Bible says that the truth can set us free. But truth, if it's not insulated properly, it can do damage. The word of God is truth, isn't it? It's full of truth. But the word of God is also called a sword. And a sword in the hands of somebody who doesn't know how to use it can do damage. It can hurt people. And some people have used the word of God and they've taken scriptures out of context and done things that have hurt other people because they're not insulating the truth with love. 
for example, I have in my house, I have power in my house. Electricity flows into my house and that electricity powers things that are within my home. It powers our air conditioning, praise the Lord. It, it powers uh, our oven and our microwave and things that cook food for us. It powers things that we, we watch TV and listen to music. It powers our fans at night that, that, that drowned out the silence. I'm one of those guys. I need a fan going at night. You people that just sleep in silence, that's weird to me. Like I can, silence becomes loud to me. Like, like I can hear my beard on the pillow and like, whoa, no good. Don't want that. So let's get the, let's get some white noise going. But these things are, these things are important. Like I love that. But here's the thing about that power, that electricity, when insulated properly brings life. But if I touch it and it's not insulated properly, it can kill me and it can burn my home to the ground and hurt the people I love. You guys tracking with me? And if we don't insulate the truth of the word of God and learn how to handle it the right way, we, we can hurt people. The Bible says this in, in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Like if I go over here to this drum set and I just start banging on the crash, God, just banging on it over and over again. Eventually, you're gonna be like, bro, chill with the crash. It gets old. Like that would get grating and you'd be like, oh, I'm gonna walk away. Like you've ever had a kid like get a hold of some symbols or little toy symbols or a, and they just are, you know, making some noise to the point that finally you're like, okay, dude, chill, all right? Some of, that, some of us, that's, that's what we do. We don't insulate the, the truth of God's word or with love. And so it just becomes, to people around us, it becomes like, dude, you're just grating on me. We gotta speak the truth with love. How do we do this? Once again, we call on the helper. 1 Corinthians 2.13, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit. That's talking about the Holy Spirit. God wants to help you to say the right things. God wants to help you to not say the wrong things. There's been times, and this kind of leads me to the next point, which is point six, which is watch your words. There's been times that I'm in counseling with somebody and or in a situation of conflict or confrontation and I'm talking to them and because I've invited the Holy Spirit in, I'll, I'll find myself talking to somebody and all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is, what I'm saying is really good. Like, amen, Josh. Like, but it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit speaking through me. There's also been times that like, I'm talking to Sarah and, and she, we're, you know, we're having a conversation, you know, like a conversation. <laughs> And, and there's something that I'm getting ready to say and I just feel like the Holy Spirit goes, nope! <laughs> Have you seen those little memes before where it's like the golden girls and one of them's got their mouth? Or, I don't know, you ever look it up sometime. It's just like, don't say that! And then it's kind of like, oh, okay. And I'm glad I don't because if I do, it ain't gonna be good. Not gonna be good. Some of us, we gotta be quiet. We gotta, we gotta watch our words. Colossians 3.8 says this, you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. This, this verse speaks to some of the things that can rise up in us when we have this mentality that says, I gotta win. I gotta win this argument. I gotta win in this conflict. And so what do we do? We do things like we get angry 
And we rage out. And you know those kind of people. You've probably been around that kind of person. They just start screaming and yelling at you. And you're like, bro, quit yelling at me. And when you do, like, they just get even louder. Like, you haven't heard yelling yet. Like, that guy? Listen, that's wrong. If you're trying to use your loudness and your anger to get your way, you are a bully. And you are wrong. That's what the Bible tells us. So you better stop it. Okay, it says, it says, don't use malice. What's, it's talking about malicious words. What are malicious words? It's those go, don't go there words. When you know somebody really well, you're close to them and you know things about them that you could bring up in an argument that you know would hurt them. You know what I'm talking about? And and it can help you win the argument and shut it down, but it's, but it's wrong. Listen, God, when he brings us into relationships, those close relationships, and we're able to see sometimes people's sensitive areas, it's not so we can poke them. It's so we can protect them. And if you're doing that, if you're getting into an argument and you're going to that area of like, well, you're just like your mother, you know, whatever. Listen, that's wrong. It's wrong. It's malicious. Don't do that. He says, don't use slander. What's slander? Slander is insults. It's cutting people down. It's racial slurs. It's stuff like that. That's, that's wrong. What you're doing with that kind of stuff is you're trying to belittle people. Hurt people hurt people. Little people belittle people. Little people make you feel little because they want to feel big. And how they make themselves feel big is they make you feel little. That's wrong. Don't do that. So once you see it, you gotta watch your words. You gotta invite the Holy Spirit in so you say the right things and guard yourself from doing these things. It's the goal is not winning. The goal is restoration and reconciliation. And that leads me to point seven, which is we have to be people who are building bridges, not walls. Now, when I say that, that is not a political position I am trying to state right now, okay? That hit me this morning as I was preparing for this. Like, I better make that clear. I'm not trying, this is not, this is not a political position. This is a spiritual heart position I'm talking about, okay? That where we're saying, listen, the world is full of people building walls, cutting people off, shutting people down, getting, creating cliques and groups and pushing people away from that. God's called us to be agents of reconciliation, which means we're building bridges because that's what Jesus did. You, you look at all the stuff I'm talking to you about today. Jesus did all of it. Jesus saw the conflict in this world. And so what did he do? He became the initiator. And he stepped down into this world. And he put on human flesh. He saw things from our viewpoint. And he spoke the truth in love. And then there came a day when it was time to deal with this conflict so he confronted it through the cross and he took it on and he died and rose from the dead and now because of him we can be restored to God because he took on the conflict isn't that awesome and so God's called us we're called to be Christ-like we're Christians right that means Christ-like so we're called to be like Jesus so we're called to do that same thing and Jesus said this in Matthew 5 verse 9 he said blessed are the peacemakers we're called to be people bringing peace. That means that sometimes we've got to deal with conflict. Blessed are they. Notice he doesn't say blessed are the peace lovers. There's a lot of people that say they love peace in the world we live in, but they don't love peace. If they really love peace, 
They'd be working to create it. And they're really not at the end of the day. They wanna create wins for their group. But we're called to be peacemakers. We're called to be agents of reconciliation. We're called to be people who work hard to do this, who train our children to understand this. Like I said, this is something no one talks about, how to deal with conflict and confrontation. But, but we're called to do this. We live in a world full of this and we've got to deal with it. And so I, I wanna put a statement up here. I want you guys to write this down or put this in your notes, but remember this. It's always more rewarding to resolve the conflict than to dissolve the relationship. And just leave that up there. This isn't always easier. This isn't always possible. But when we try to resolve the conflict, instead of just saying, you know what, I'm done with them. I give up, I quit. I'm just gonna throw them away. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna pretend like they don't exist. I'm just gonna leave that church. I'm gonna leave that small group. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna leave whatever. I'm just gonna, no, I'm done. There's no reward for that. There's no reward for that in heaven. There's no reward for that in earth. There's no lessons that can be learned for us God's called us to live at a different standard, amen? We're called to be people of reconciliation. When at all possible, as far as it depends on me, I'm gonna walk in peace. Now, here's what makes all of this possible. Jesus Christ. Jesus makes this possible. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And some of the reason why some of you aren't walking in peace in your life is because you're not at peace with yourself and the reason you're not at peace with yourself is because you don't have peace with God. So you need to get peace with God, which will lead to peace, inner peace, peace with yourself, which will help you to walk in peace in this world. What you need to do is invite the Prince of Peace to rule and reign in your heart. So maybe you're here today and you would say, Pastor Josh, I don't feel like I'm at peace with God today. I don't, I don't know that I'm right with God. I don't really know where I stand with the Lord today. At one point I was close to God, but I feel far away today. Or maybe you've never really committed your life to knowing God. I want, I want to help you with that today. You can, you can leave today knowing that you have peace with God, that the, the enmity, the conflict between you and God is, is taken care of because Jesus dealt with it for you. But you have to receive of that. So if you would, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here today and, and that's you, who I just described there, that's, that's how you feel. I wanna invite you to pray a prayer with me. Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. You believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. So I'm gonna invite you to confess this prayer with me and believe this in your heart as you say it. And church, since we're all in agreement, let's say this together. Say, Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And I believe that Jesus died for me. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead so I could be raised to new life in him. Thank you for saving me. I make you my Lord. I make you my savior. I give you my all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, let's give those a hand, those who prayed that prayer. Come on, guys. There we go. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.